Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. Uh, I'm James Miller. Um, we're a day early this week, ahead of the autumn statement tomorrow. Uh, so here to preview Philip Hammond's first big outing as Chancellor are uh, Tony Grew, um, Parliament man, expert in all things Parliament, and man who sat through how many budgets and autumn statements? No, you must have sat through a lot. Oh, probably about 12 or 13. Oh. I find the budget really boring though because it's all numbers so I'm yeah, not, I'm well, not really good with numbers yeah, so. um, well you're going to be good then uh, and also I'm glad I invited you and also I'm joined by Neil Gray SMP MP for Adrian Shots and spokesman on fair work and employment hello good morning and man who is uh, I don't know trying to take down the government and possibly going to succeed you are trying to get the government to back off on cuts to universal credit yep which are around something called ESA, which is Employment Support Allowance, yeah. which is for people with disabilities. Yeah, two, well, two separate things there. You've got Employment Support Allowance, Work-Related Activity Group, which is around £30 a week for people who've got uh, disabilities or long-term health conditions but have been found unfit for work but are expected to sub- carry out some kind of work-related activity, so uh, volunteering or skilling up in some way. Okay. Um, and their uh, support is getting cut away by £29 a month, a week, as of April. Uh, and then you've got universal credit work allowances, which is what's going to succeed employment support allowance when it's getting rolled out. It's right. all terribly complicated, yeah. but uh, the nub of the issue is that uh, the Conservative backbenchers aren't terribly happy about yes. either of these things. Um, and I called the debate last week and managed to get five Conservatives through the lobby with me and uh, a number more speaking out against the government. In yeah. the debate. Um, and um, all the, the, the chatter, all the um, private and public discussion is that up to or more than 20 uh, Tory MPs are agitating about this so um, right. are we going to get something tomorrow? I don't know Well we're hearing hints and rumours that there might be something is that mm. what you're expecting? Well the, the Guardian had uh, today uh, printed something saying that uh, they're going to roll back on the taper whereby the universal credit payments fall away as you, as your income from work yeah. goes up, as your income yeah. from work goes up, your your support from universal yeah. credit goes down, and they're going to roll back a bit on that as a way of compensating for the universal credit stuff. But there's been nothing on employment support allowance, um, and I'm not sure um, they've not been making any noises about it. They've not said very much at all. Penny Morden uh, last week uh, gave a very uh, measured response to my debate. Um, was looking at the Conservative benches uh, during almost its entirety rather than okay. rather than me um, and the way she's addressing it and uh, so I couldn't pick up much as to whether she's going to do anything on it um, but who knows we've, we've, we've made the case and that's as much as we can do that was a backbench debate yep. you had did you win it did you win it? there was a vote yeah we, we you engineered a vote uh, we made sure there was a vote, yeah, um, and we won it, 127 to nil, because the Tories didn't. Because the Tories uh, didn't want to play ball, um, and that that's a normal thing. Not yes. backbench business debates; you don't normally get yeah. votes. So we because there was one we the to previous day a Labour inspired one the previous day. Yes, on something very similar. Yeah, and they lost because the Tories did play ball on that vote. Yeah, opposition day debates far far higher profile. Yeah, um, and and that's why I it, Labour have been also. Uh, 
you know done a lot of work on this. Um, but it, the opposition day debate was a little bit like a Johnny Come Lately uh, attempt, and it could have uh, caused us problems in terms of the Tories who were publicly agitating. Right. Um, and but thankfully, it looks like that's not really caused much of a problem. Right, Tony. The government's trying to take money away from people with disabilities, and we're having all sorts of stupid votes. And what? This is no way to do business, is it? Well, that depends on what you think about parliamentary democracy, really. I mean, I think the the point I pick up with from Neil that I think is most important for people listening is um, how power is actually exercised. Um, I was at a, an event recently, which uh, the topic of it was who is the real opposition? Is it the SNP? Is it is it the Labour Party? My supposition was that the real opposition are Tory backbenchers. Mm-hmm. If you want yeah. to pressure the government, yeah. what you need to do is flush them out. And Neil, that, Neil did that, that well. Point. I yeah. made that point. You have a backbench business debate, flush them out. Their whips will be trying to stop any of them from going through the lobbies. Getting four or five of them to go through shows the level of, uh, you know, of unhappiness. Whenever I hear these things discussed, I don't look at what Labour or the SNP benches are saying, really. Uh, there was a, we had a discussion about this in the chamber yesterday. The thing that struck me was a guy called Peter Aldous, who you've probably never heard mm-hmm. of. He's a Suffolk MP. He's not a bad boy. He's not a troublemaker at all for the yeah. whips. But he stood up and said, um, you know, this is a very unfortunate situation. It's putting vulnerable yeah. people in a difficult position, and I am not happy about that. Now, that's the sort of thing the government really needs to respond to if it wants to keep its own troops inside. And um, we may not see changes in, uh, in, the, um, in the autumn statement tomorrow, but there's definitely going to have to be some sort of movement in these issues, especially when you have now have the situation of former secretaries of state, for mm. Tory secretaries of state for mm. work and pensions coming out and saying, actually, I'm unhappy with this. It's not, being, it's not being handled the best. And what it does is it hits the most vulnerable people in the country. But another point is that our benefit system is ridiculously complicated. And, you know, when you yes. stand back and look at it, it just looks like a complete mess. Universal credit was supposed to be mm-hmm. rolled out years ago yeah. to try and simplify the whole benefit system under the regime of Ian Duncan Smith, who, another man who suddenly found that he has care for the poor now that he's no longer in a position to directly influence their lives. <laughs> he did beforehand as well. Yeah, but it, it was it's just the bit, was it was just the bit when he was secretary of state yeah, pensions he, that he well, forgot he all he about. He forgot all about that sort of stuff. Um, so actually, in, in 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 that sense, universal credit is a good thing because it's attempting to simplify the benefit system. But uh, just the the scale of the complexity um, of our benefit system is something I find daunting. So God knows the people that rely on it to find it. And, and I absolutely agree. And, and universal credit was supposed to be a simplifier. It was supposed to make it easier. But it was also supposed to um, provide work incentives, and that was the point of mm. the universal credit work allowance, which is now being stripped away. Um, so that is why, particularly on the universal credit side, um, there's a very, very strong argument uh, being made on the Tory side because they see work as being the panacea. That is the, the yes. only uh, route out of poverty, the only way uh, to um, uh, uh, to get by, um, and uh, why I think that they, you know tomorrow we will see something on the work allowances, uh, but ESA rag, um, uh, you know, for people who have been found unfit for work, therefore don't have a capacity to earn. Uh, yes. income elsewhere the, the government has a duty and this is recognised by Conservative backbenchers as well has a duty to act there as well because they're stripping away a third of their income So why are they doing it? Is it because they hate people with disabilities and poor people or is it because the country is busted and they haven't got any money? Well neither of those things it's uh, because there's been uh, a false uh, target being set on uh, bringing down uh, the deficit and 
uh, pursuing an austerity agenda and there were false targets being uh, set to the Department of Work and Pensions which is why you saw Ian Duncan Smith walking away because he said well this is you know, yeah, well maybe might be another thing behind it as well well that's what he said and now you know and now uh, you know, you look at his pamphlet that's coming forward in, uh, on universal credit, and you'd suggest perhaps maybe uh, he was telling the truth when he when he resigned because he didn't want to press ahead with a lot of these cuts. Um, and it are wasn't you, in any way an attempt to destabilise David Cameron <laughs> yeah. just before a referendum. Well, you, you know, are you now friends with IDS? Is that what you think? No, no, no. But I, I did speak to him ahead of uh, my debate to see whether he'd support the motion, and he was very much focused on his own work. Uh, no, he said, yeah. even though he's... Uh, oh, yeah, we, yeah. Asked about, we, asked about, we asked about the motivation of this. Actually, there is a Scottish link to that. It was Easter House in Glasgow that Ian Duncan Smith yeah, oh, yeah. lost he's, the leadership. Easter House Epiphany. When he lost the leadership of the party, he mm. went off into the wilderness. Um, not that I'm describing Glasgow as a wilderness. <laughs> uh, no, but he went off and had a, founded a, a think tank, Centre for Social Justice, and, yes. and thought deeply about some of the issues to do with long-term benefit claimants. And I think the government can claim some success. If we could just park the disability thing to the side for one minute, mm-hmm. it has had some success in taking people who've been long-term unemployed, who are offered no roots out, who effectively were just dumped on benefits. And, and the Conservatives would claim that what the Labour Party did was took significant amounts of people, yeah. slight, maybe slightly older, slightly less skilled, and dumped them on benefits. So there was, a, there was a big push at the start of the last Parliament to try and get people who were long-term unemployed motivated, out there getting interviews and getting jobs and so that's why we have uh, very high employment at the highest employment of people that we've ever had uh, the secondary concern there of course is how many of those jobs are well paid enough yes. because one of the other factors that we see now is we've got a significant number and this is different from 10 or 20 years ago but a significant number of people in poverty who are also in work yes. so the, yes. gr- the greater challenge the, the you know I, I think that if the prime minister um, if I was the prime minister I'd be talking a lot about ethical capitalism mm. in other words of course you can pay people nine oh. pounds an hour no 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 sorry is such a that, thing is, like no, that is actually yeah there is and it's, it's quite an important tenet of conservatism actually mm. that, that you have a responsibility as an employer you have a social responsibility okay. to your employees I think that's something that's been lost relatively quickly in this country, the idea that you can treat the workers in this way. You know, the that's workers are just fodder that we pay nine pounds. They're not people that we value, that we skill up, that we pay properly. And that's I, not I think capitalism. I mean, I don't know if well, we want you, to get into a, a, a fundamental you, you discussion you, about capitalism this early on. But you, capitalism you, you, is about making money. And responsible capitalism is about making money no, no, in a responsible way. Capitalism is always and about by the way, bottom line. That's and all no, capitalism is. It absolutely is that's not. what it is. It absolutely is not. If you just let me finish. It is. Could you stop interrupting me for a second and show well, some when manners? You, when you start okay, I'm just going to be quiet me. until you stop talking. Okay, have you finished? Yeah, go on then. Okay. So, a Conservative would argue that if you pay people the minimum wage and don't pay them enough uh, that they can raise their families properly, then it's the state that has to come in. It's the state that then has to top up those people's wages. That's not, that is not a model of capitalism that I find sustainable. And I think within the Conservative Party, I've heard a lot of conversations in the past few years to talk about these ideas to take on these companies, to make sure that as employers, you're fulfilling all of your obligations to your staff. Okay. I, I, I'd uh, say well, no, the Scottish government is leading in that way. <laughs> when you look at um, the, the drive uh, for um, employers to pay the living wage, um, and we have the highest level of, of uh, employee, employees being paid the living wage in, uh, the, in, in the UK. And, uh, but there is still, uh, and this is where the UK government does have a big responsibility, and I hope to see something on this uh, in the autumn statement tomorrow, the uh, average earnings, average wage in the UK is stagnated at 2009 levels. There's not been any rise mm-hmm. on the, I think it's £12.45 mm-hmm. uh, that people were earning on average in 2009. So uh, the government needs to be looking at why that is the case 
and address that issue uh, to ensure that everybody sees the benefit of any kind of economic recovery that is forthcoming. And the reason they have to do that is to stop the benefits bill that we as taxpayers pay spiralling out of control. Capitalism isn't an unfettered market. Employers cannot... No, no, it actually isn't. Employers cannot do whatever they want and that's why children don't work. No, they, no they can't, but that's because we don't have a, oh, sorry, a pure Sorry, I would love to actually just finish a sentence. <laughs> If that would be possible. Well, I've got to, you know, the, you've got to the be challenged. State, a capitalist these post-Trump things, we've got to challenge things. Go on then. Actually, I don't want to make the point. Let's just move on. Okay. Because you've interrupted me so much now. I forgot That's because it's not true. It's What's cap- not true? Cap- no, capitalism, capitalism is purely about yeah, making no, money. It's not. We do not have an unfettered market. Employers cannot do whatever they want. That's why they have to follow health and safety rules. That's why they're not allowed to put children on chimneys. That's why you're not allowed to yes. work with you know dangerous chemicals unless you've got proper protective gear. The state, a capitalist state, intervenes repeatedly to ensure health and safety of workers, children aren't exploited, all these sort of things. We do not live but in an unfettered capitalist market. No country lives in an unfettered capitalist market. Reason, even the United States. The reason the state has to intervene like that is because capitalism would put children up chimneys because it's purely about making money. That's all that drives capitalism, is making money. Okay, well, I guess the difference is that you're talking about a theory and I'm talking about governance. Well, yeah, exactly. This is, well, but then if you can start fiddling around with capitalism, then there's a question of there's only an elasticity of what you can do to intervene and control yeah, it. It's called Western democracy, and different countries practice different models of that, but effectively well, they're all capitalist societies. Well, I think we agree then, don't we? Oh, oh, good. I'm glad right. after all that interrupting, um, <laughs> you finally come around. Is, is capitalism a, a sustainable model, Neil? I, I don't think we should continue that debate. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we're Answer there. The I, I think we, the we've got to a point where there was consensus in the room. Uh, I think we oh, move he's on. dodging the question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever read anything the SNP wants to smash capitalism. Oh, there's some of them do. Well, some they're a broad church. I'm not getting back into my... Uh, my yeah, they are a broad church. They include firebrands like Neil Gray. Like yeah. Left-wing firebrands, as, as he was, he's been dubbed. I, I still owe you a pint for that. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah you, you just are. I don't know who dubbed you a left-wing firebrand. Uh, There's all these right. weird theories. He keeps on thinking Callum McKeague's going to be the left, next leader of the SNP. Uh, which just, Callum's delighted about. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my money's that was last week's point. My money's in Krusty Blackman, anyway. Well, Ooh, you're, get, you're getting involved, get. in, involved in this. Yeah, Krusty's on in a couple of weeks. See if she gets more listeners than Callum. We've got quite a lot of feisty uh, Aberdonians when you throw in Michael Gove as well. <laughs> yes, well, let's not let's throw him in something in the back of a ruddy bin van, that's what I'd throw in. Um, right, the economy. Uh, is it stuffed? You say not. You're arguing that we've got this false austerity that the country is not actually busted. Uh, no, no, I think that there's a, that um, there isn't. A, austerity is a political choice. Um, and that there are different ways of recovering from uh, recessions. Um, my argument would be, and uh, you know, we put this forward in our manifesto, that we should um, stimulate the economy with, uh, with investment, invest in infrastructure projects, invest in, in, in people. Um, and the Conservatives are d- taking a different route. And are they, they though? Yes, they it's are. it's been suggested that Philip Hammond is going to start investing in shovel-ready projects. After years of listening to Stuart Hosey going about shovel-ready projects, apparently, his time might have come. Yeah, and apparently it was well trailed over the weekend that there's going to be a billion pounds for um, potholes and yes. roads. Um, which is all very well and good, but it doesn't really scratch the surface. Not even in the potholes and roads problem. Uh, problem where you've got uh, apparently eight billion uh, pounds worth of repairs uh, required on our roads, um, and I think that there's a far greater, far bigger investment uh, needed. 
uh, particularly as we are moving towards Brexit because you've got a potential spike in inflation coming next year which is going to hurt household um, incomes uh, and you've uh, got the uncertainty in the market uh, which is having a destabilising effect on the pound and to uh, bring about some uh, genuine uh, movement in the economy, the only way that's going to come about is through some investment and I don't think we're going to see that tomorrow because all the other um, uh, well-trailed um, uh, ideas around what's, what he's going to do is that it's going to be a very conservative with a small C mm. bottom statement. He's going to move f- further back from it being a big financial you know, announcement statement to a general picture of, yes. of where things are at. Um, does Philip Hammond strike you as a man who splurges, Tony? In what sense? Well, he says he's, there might be a splurge of cash for stuff. I, I would expect, I would expect, given that it's been in every single newspaper, that there will be um, some significant infrastructure announcements. But that might significant, be, as in five billion. Is that significant? I think it's reasonably significant. Um, I don't think we're going to see a, a massive change in, in um, macroeconomic policy, but I think what the Chancellor is probably going to be alive to. Um, much more than his predecessors, is that he has to manage the economy through an incredibly volatile period. There's yes. a lot of turbulence coming up. Mm-hmm. Yes. With the Brexit stuff, you know, we're, we're in the phony war at the moment. There, yeah. not, not, not a shot has been fired in this war yet. And mm-hmm. so things could get very rocky, uh, both for our currency, um, for interest rates, and for inflation. So I think um, you know, he's, he's known as a man of um, uh, almost anaesthetic caution, Philip yes. Adams. So I'm not expecting him to pull any rabbits out of hats, uh, metaphorically, obviously. Um, but I do think that he has, he's going to have to try and um, position uh, the economy as best he can for the uncertainty that's going to come ahead. In terms of is our economy shot? No, we're one of the richest countries in the world and the fundamentals are reasonably strong, but we do have significant problems with skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, particu- I mean, this is one of the issues, uh, arguments about immigration that I find so false. Um, yes, of course, immigration does have a distorting effect, but what you, what you find is that you've got a a UK workforce going up against um, EU citizens who are better skilled than them, mm. more motivated than them. These, these are some of the issues that we face. And so this, this argument about immigration for me has to be coupled with a discussion about skills. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe we'll hear some more skills investment. Who knows? I mean, the also, also where the skills gaps are yeah. and um, you look in, uh, but also um, the uh, employable age gaps are, and you look at the, the, the desperate need in parts of the country for immigration, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is why Scotland is pressing for its own immigration system, uh, for its own uh, decisions to be made well, around immigration post Brexit. And, and, and I read something about that at the weekend. Um, yeah. Well, that's lovely. Cooper's on board with that now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the mail on Sunday tells me. Well, um, I think that was uh, what they were trying to do. That was frame it in the context of how Yvette managed to get himself elected as chair of the Home Affairs Select Committee with SNP support. But it's a bit of a conspiracy uh, theory there. I wouldn't go ooh. with that too deep. Um, skills. We're always talking about skills. Right. Yeah. What skills? Nunchuck skills, BMX skills. What skills does this country actually lack? Well, engineering would be one of the first ones that I'd go for. And what? Well, like, can I that just man, Brunel, we'd build all sorts of engineering stuff. Well, Brunel was an immigrant. Uh, well, his father true. was. Uh, he was French, as you know. Um, you said nunchuck skills. Yeah, that's sure a, that was a reference to Napoleon Dynamite. You're not watching Napoleon? I'm not that's, aware of yeah, that. probably too young Is it a kid's that. cartoon? You're both too young for that. No, it's a great film. Um, it is a great film. I can't remember the reference. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> when they talk about skills. Look, w- w- when we talk about skills... I mean, it starts with things like literacy and numeracy. Um, this is a, you know, these are still basic problems. I, I'm talking about an English context here, not Scottish. 
but you know employers still find even basic issues with uh, with school leavers who don't have the sort of skills that they need and so uh, you know we need to better coordinate what businesses need with what we teach kids in school but also one of the other problems that we historically have got in England is that for a long time the Labour government had a priority of sending 50% of people to university despite whether or not that university was any good or whether the courses they came up with were, were, were of much use, which is why Britain at one point was producing more photography graduates than every other European country put together. Good, uh, photography is good. Yeah, that's nice. But what it didn't do, it is, is. Prepare them, what it didn't do is prepare them for work. The right. pivot that has happened, um, it started under Labour and has continued with this government and, and, and into the uh, majority Conservative government, is to try and focus a lot more on apprenticeships, to try and focus a lot more on giving people direct vocational mm. skills and avoiding perhaps them going to university to do a degree that mightn't have been of use to them and would have left them in debt. So there is some, there is some progress being made in skills, but, it, but the issue with it is it has to be as closely related to what business wants as possible. Well, right, we've done the fundamental nature of capitalism. Yeah. I'm not going to get to the fundamental, fundamental nature of education. Well, but I've there explained is a question the fundamental nature about of capitalism whether education exists purely to create drones to go to serve business or whether education is something... Well, it depends what age you're talking um, about, doesn't it? If we're talking about children at 15 or 16 uh, who've already had a well-rounded education, I think, well, you say no, but Germany has a, has a three-pronged a three prong system where at 14 people can either go through a technical mm -hmm. route or go through an academic route or another route. They don't seem to have a problem with it. They seem to be able to turn out well-rounded individuals and right. people that... Oh, no, we're not gonna, I'm not going to go to the fundamental nature of education. All right, We haven't got all day. But you just raised the fundamental nature of education. I know, but I'm just quite... Suggesting that your, your coin, view of the fundamental nature of education no, could be questioned not. by some. I want every child at school, as opposed to when they go through their formal training for apprenticeship, to have access to have everything I had music, art, dancing, all those things. I think that's really important that we produce dancing. well rounded. Yeah, we did Irish dancing at school. Okay. To produce well rounded um, human beings, I think that's really important. But I think that's something that happens at primary school and into secondary school. I think when you're talking about someone at 15 or 16, it is time to put away childish things and to focus into what your skills are going to be Whoa, for the rest right, of your life. You're trying to, I'm not, I'm not going to bite. Well, right. it's not. It's let's, like saying... Let's, it's like saying it's let's like keep talking about skills, because you are it, it, the Fair Work and Employment yes. uh, spokesman. So what skills do you, does Scotland need? Uh, well, the, 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 any number, but what I was going to uh, discuss uh, there on apprenticeships and... Um, you know, Scotland has a, a oh, very I, I successful saw your ears prick up at apprenticeships. Yeah, yeah. Like he's because the SNP have got Scotland's a good have a very, very good record on apprenticeships. Yeah. The, the, the SNP government has done very well, um, and the uh, government, the Tory government, is catching up on this and but and, and attempting to bring forward a, 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 an apprenticeship platform. But and the apprenticeship levy, in many ways, is welcome the way it has been done has been an absolute disaster in terms of not consulting business in terms of not consulting employers in, in terms of having uh, you know there'd be no idea of where those people who are paying into the apprenticeship levy are going to get a return um, and um, I'm hopeful that again tomorrow we might get some answers on to what exactly the apprenticeship levy is going to look like, how it's going to work, who's going to benefit, how these people are going to, whether the apprentices are going to be uh, working uh, and uh, uh, learning uh, in an environment where there might be a job at the end of uh, their apprenticeship, which is also yes. important. Because some of these apprenticeships are a bit rubbish. No, it's got, it's got, it's got quite yeah, a good record of this, but there yeah. certainly have been instances. We've always said that apprenticeship should be about having a job as, a, as, a, as an end destination. Um, how hopeful are you that there might actually be something about along those lines tomorrow? Well, I mean, think people will have a wish list for it. I'm, I, I, I'm hope, I am hopeful, um, and I'm hopeful that we will also see something around um, 
uh, what the uh, share of the apprenticeship levy to Scotland will be because that's going to be important as well um, so that the Scottish Government can plan uh, what it's going to use that money for. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that we will see something around that because it's certainly something that industry is, is desperate to hear answers on. Okay, uh, the fun stuff that you get these things, uh, taxes, that's all anybody actually cares about. You get all these numbers and you get all these weird <laughs> words. You're confusing got. the budget with the autumn statement. Yeah, but you do get like but petrol. But it's kind of become blurred. Yeah. No, no. Under the, petrol under, under, under the last chancellor, it became blurred. Yeah. We're expecting return to the formal rules of autumn statement. But we, and you can expect there's going to be something on petrol, we think, because you have to do that yeah. to keep the sun happy, basically. Mm. So that'll be frozen. Or, or, or millions of motorists across the country. Well, yes, that's true. Okay. Um, Hard-working families. Yeah, well... Or, and, also, and, and, and also the economy. Yeah, and also the yes. lazy families. Uh, yes, very lazy families. Um, personal allowance, we're also going to get something about that, aren't we? We're going to suggest that we're going to keep going towards, what's it, 12 and a half grand? Is the yeah, that's a, that, that, but that's just, that'll just be an announcement of a continuing uh, yeah. direction travel. Something that was actually started, um, as, as I recall, under the Liberal Democrats. Danny Alexander. Let's... Talking to Liberal Democrats, I was talking to some Liberal Democrats recently who used to be in government, and they said, Philip Hammond is now the voice of reason in this government. We used to work with him, he's a crazy right winger, and now he's the voice of reason. As in, um, what kind of desperate position are we in? Yeah, what, you know, this is bizarre, isn't it? He's not a crazy right winger. I mean, that's a, that's a complete misrepresentation. He's David Davis is a crazy right winger. Oh, well, yeah, Fox right, is everything's a crazy relative, right, all right, but he, well, but in the last government, he was. One of the right wingers. Yeah, but that's you know that was in a government with Liberal Democrats. And now know. he's the voice of reason. He's the Chancellor. I, I think what the Liberal Democrats are trying to say is that they're unhappy at some of the appointments that Theresa May has made, particularly around uh, international trade and Foreign Office and uh, Department for Exiting the European Union, the three Brexiteers. Um, There's more than three Brexiteers. There's five Brexiteers. Well, no. What's this happened? Is, the interesting I mean, thing that's happened I, again. I don't want to get an argument with you, Tony. I'm just going to say, not you. <laughs> But the whole media and their three Brexiteers are ignoring the lady Brexiteers, aren't they? Who are they? Uh, Ledsam and Patel. And Ledsam at fisheries and farming is going to be a big deal leaving the EU. Mm. So, you know, somebody described her as the D'Artagnan of the three Brexiteers, which is okay, but then I don't know what that makes pretty Patel. Cardinal Richelieu or something. I've never read it. I just watched the cartoon in the eighties. But um, (laughs) there are five Brexiteers. Well, there's more than that. Yes, but actually, if we're going to get picky about it, but the reason why the reason why those three people are identified uh, is because they are the ones that will be leading the entire Brexit process. It's not to do with excluding people or sexism. Well, I don't think Liam's going to lead anything. Liam's got a a non-office, isn't he? He's got an office. Well, no, but he can't do anything until we actually break Well, it. I think he spends a lot of time out of the country, which is a, what I assume the Prime Minister wanted well, him to do. Well, yes, that's true. I mean, that's why you make Boris Foreign Secretary, isn't it? You can't launch a leadership bid when you're out of the country the whole time. <laughs> well, that is very true. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we've got Hammond. We mentioned Hammond. Let's stay on personalities. Uh, John McDonnell. What are you expecting from John McDonnell? Tomorrow, Neil. Do you think you'll get out his little red book? Or his uh, mind camp? Where's he going to go after last if, year's? If, if utter... He, well, if embarrassment. He, if he has um, good advisors, then he won't be pulling any stunts. Well, he pulled out a little red book last year, exactly. so we know he hasn't got good advisors. Well, yeah, um, that uh, that didn't work particularly well. And to be fair on George Osborne, um, which I'm not often, um, his response to that was, uh, was very, very good, very quick, yeah. um, and uh, absolutely uh, tore John apart. Um, and, uh, you know... Uh, 
I, I don't know what John McDonald's going to do or say tomorrow. Um, Does John McDonald know what he's going to say or do tomorrow? I, well, I don't know. If I mean, if, if I was the Labour Party, I'd be coming up with an alternative. You know, saying where where um, the government should be directing its travel, and I think he did start that to a point uh, when he was on the Mar program with uh, Philip Hammond on Sunday, when he was saying, look, there needs to be an injection of uh, you know uh, in the economy and all the rest of it. So uh, you know. This has been the problem with uh, John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn um, for a lot, uh, a, a lot of the time that they've been at the dispatch box in the last year and a half, where they've been um, sometimes picking the right issue to go on, but haven't been able to execute mm. correctly. Yeah. Um, and what they need to, to do, if they're going to be effective tomorrow, is not only pick the right issue, but execute it in a better way than they have done so far. And your man, Stuart Hosey, like I say, I have had to listen to Stuart going on for years about shovel-ready projects. I, I think he did coin this phrase. And maybe his time is finally going to come tomorrow that you'll be able to stand up and go, yes, shovel-ready projects, get in. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to say he's going to be wonderful and he's going to be brilliant. Um, but A, like I say, you know, you have a certain amount of reason to gloat because he has been going on about shovel-ready projects mm-hmm. for so long. And B, this is a sort of comeback for him of a sorts. Obviously, he found himself in a certain amount of local difficulty over the summer mm-hmm. uh, and has been lying fairly low. Um, but this is what he's good at, is the econ- economy stuff. Yeah, this is where um, Stuart excels and where... Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, Philip Hammond is going to be looking forward to when Stuart stands up because he's always very well prepared. Um, he has his uh, figures uh, at hand, off, off the top of his head. He's very, very well prepared. Um, and whether he's going to uh, gloat on shovel-ready projects will, probably, will um, presumably be determined by scale of the investment in those shovel-ready projects. Mm-hmm. And if we're just talking about a billion pounds on potholes and roads, then I suspect that Stuart may well be rather disparaging um, of uh, the government's action. Are you part of Stuart's team? Uh, no. You're, no, no, you're in the Bayes team. I'm in Ailey Whiteford's Oh yes, of course, DWP yeah. team. Right, yeah. yes, of yeah. course. Because um, of course Stuart now has a massive, he used to do this all on his own, and now he's got yeah. a team of thousands behind him. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he's still got that ability, and this is the thing about both the budget and the autumn statement, if you're an opposition party, is a huge amount of economic information that's just dumped at you yeah. and you've got minutes to try and find something out and yeah Stuart Hosey when there were just six SNP MPs used to be great at that at just digging into it yeah. finding it something pulling it out and yeah. flinging it across the chamber at you and now he's got economists yeah. like um, George Caravan sat next to him and mm-hmm. to be fair at Cal McCaig who is also providing him with superb support and is going through the budget books and uh, uh, and helping out along with Roger Mullen and, and others in that in that economy team Yes, indeed. Uh, Roger Ballard, of course, the uh, force behind the throne at the economic team, right? He's, he's the motor of the economic Roger team. Roger is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of respect and time for Roger Mullen. They're a good uh, team, but, to, but it's just if, you know, John McDonald, it doesn't matter what John McDonald stands up and says, they've got no economic credibility. Look at the polling. You know, he could stand up and do well, it. He could stand up and do a strip tease. No one's paying attention. Well, <laughs> please, the bizarre thing please is, please he might even do that. The bizarre thing <laughs> after last year. Or do what he did a few years ago get up and grab the mace and start flinging it around. Do you remember? Well, that's a good that's a, a, a fine tradition. Um, Over Heathrow. 
That's how long we've been talking about Heathrow. Heathrow. Since that was about uh, 2008. Well, you've been around a while, haven't you? Um, you I was only Parliament then. Oh, okay. Didn't come in until 2009. Watch it back. I right. came in in the middle of the expenses scandal. Oh, that was a great time to start a Parliament. Oh, Absolute eye of the storm. Uh, well, we've covered uh, capitalism and education. Let's not cover expenses as well. We could be here for a while if we're going to get to fundamental. I don't have time to educate you about everything that goes on. <laughs> right, okay. Um, You're having fun. Listen, let's uh, wind this up here. You never know. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, conditions permitting, we might be able to reconvene briefly tomorrow to see what we got right and what we got wrong. But uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, in the meantime, I will say um, thank you to Tony Group and thank you to Neil Gray. If you want to get in touch about what we've been discussing about capitalism, education, or what's going to be in the autumn statement, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter or politicalyeti at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, tune in next time for another of Political Yeti's Politics podcast. Thank you.